back. Craig back. Am I waiting for your music, or do I just go? Oh, no. Oh, wait, should I play? No, that's on a different line. Just go. I'll okay. put the music. We can pretend to dance here. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Right, hey everybody, welcome back to the official Our Denver Broncos podcast. I'm Aaron, I'll be your host tonight. I'm joined as always by Uppercut of Justice. Uppercut, how are you doing? Tonight. I'll be the host tonight. I think I'll be the host tonight. More importantly is our guest tonight. Joining us tonight is Lucas Shu. He's a writer over at Fansighted and also hosts his own podcast. Lucas, why don't you uh, start out by telling us a little about your podcast? Yeah, so my podcast is the Air It Out podcast. I just restarted doing it a couple of weeks ago uh to just talk about nfl in general no team specific things just nfl heavy uh emphasis on analytics in the podcast they really struggle to believe in analytics themselves but just talk about football and whatever's on my mind uh involving football awesome and is that available like uh apple podcasts Stitcher, yeah all that stuff yeah apple stitcher spotify i'm probably missing something else but yeah, Apple, Stitcher, and Spotify. Awesome. I'm... I would not have thought to ask where you can find it. I'm not good at this. <laughs> That's why I'm the host. I'm the host. Mm-hmm. So let's get into the important questions. We can start off real right out the gates kind of explosion style. Tell me about A.J. Dillon. <sighs> You're getting into this right away. I think it's important people know what you think about A.J. Dillon. So I'm trying to be really nice about this, as nice as I possibly can be. And if you go on my Twitter timeline, at Lucas Shuchu, I'm just going to plug that right away. Uh, I don't like A.J. Dillon, to put it nicely. He is uh overrated running back, in my opinion, by a long stretch and should not have been taken in the second round in general. Adrian Peterson 2.0. I'm... I was so upset. I'm a Packers fan, uh, born and raised in Wisconsin. And watching that pick, I was physically, like, just nauseous watching that and hearing that hit my ears. I'm like, oh, I want to die now. I was I was so upset. I'm, I'm against running backs from an analytics standpoint. I'm against A.J. Dillon from a running back standpoint. It was the perfect mesh of, I hate this pick. It was, he's so slow. It's not even funny, and he's like an old school 1980s throwback running back. It was, there was something else when I heard that pick. But maybe he and Jordan Love coming up together, they'll develop a chemistry that will be nigh undefeatable. I, oh, you guys really like uh, uh, <laughs> bringing up my Jordan Love. Well, I, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm in, I'm enjoying being a bit. Uh, of a shit right now no but, I respect but not in the way that you immediately think because i'm doing this to trip up aaron because i know he had a bunch of questions ready to go <laughs> i'm uh, trying to derail the conversation immediately because my, he my, said i wasn't the host my first question was about jordan love was it really i believe you so you're not tripping me up uppercut sorry you're gonna have to do better than that yeah you're the you're <laughs> the wojack with the mask on right now oh what was the question about Jordan Love? I just uh, walk us through your reaction to that. Let me know, you know, what what your thoughts were. There, yeah, um... dude came here to talk Broncos, Aaron. 
No, I don't mind talking Packers. I'm a Packers <laughs> fan. I don't mind a little Packers talk to start it off. But uh, so flashback to not this this past draft, the one before that with the Roshan Gary pick. Before the drafts, I was not huge on Roshan Gary. I thought he was overrated. I thought the hype behind him was just too much because people loved him because he's a physical freak of nature, which I get. He's giant. He's big. He's explosive off the line of scrimmage. And he can jack a guy up whenever he wants to. But watching him in college, he's not skilled whatsoever. He doesn't really have any pass rushing moves that he can win off of, and he never dominated in college. I can at least give him some credit if he had a huge stack total or a huge pressure total in college, but he had like three and a half in his final year at Michigan or whatever. And for the Packers to take him early on, that shattered me. I'm just sitting there. I'm just looking down at the couch. I'm like, don't take fucking Rashawn Gary. It took Rashawn Gary. Flip forward back to now, or not now, the fucking previous draft. Uh, Jordan Love, I'm sitting there again. I'm actually standing, looking at the floor. I'm waiting. I'm like, there's no way they're going to take anybody bad. I'm thinking like, we can get like, a receiver. We're going to get uh, maybe a defensive back. We're going to get somebody who can help us in value terms and right now. And I'm sitting there, and right before the pick hits me, I don't know if it's like a, like a religious moment or like God just came down on me, but it hits me like, they're going to take Jordan Love, aren't they? And like a flashback to like all the tweets I've seen of Packers in love with Jordan Love, Packers working out with Jordan Love. And it just all hits me like they're going to fucking take Jordan Love. Like the sound hits and they take Jordan Love. I'm like, oh my fucking God, they took Jordan Love. And I'm not high on Jordan Love whatsoever. So when I say, oh my God, they took Jordan Love, I'm thinking, oh my God, they took Jordan Love in a bad way. Because he just makes so many just errant throws. And not throws that are just inaccurate, but throws that are just terrible reading defenses-wise. Like, he doesn't recognize coverages. He doesn't recognize who's covering who. It's just, it was, it was a roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> well, um, if in a year Drew Locke doesn't work out, you can become a full-time Broncos fan once Aaron Rodgers hits. <laughs> yeah, the Broncos are my AFC team. That's how we compartmentalize. At least they gave us <laughs> conferences. Yeah, got somebody else to root for when the Packers screw up something. All right, well, let's get into the kind of meat and potatoes of this here. Yeah. Your most recent Broncos article gives the Broncos offseason some really high praise. Yeah. For from myself, I, I got to say I'm I'm not quite as sold yet. Uh, I know that I, I think I'm actually cutting against the grain quite a bit there because not – not only have you written about how their offseason was really good, there were articles published today from NFL.com and ESPN that were also like, hey, the Broncos had a really, really good offseason. I'm not trying to be down on them. I'm mm -hmm. pretty happy with everything that they did or almost everything they did. But I want to kind of go through some of these acquisitions one by one. Uh because I, I think there's a lot left to prove for this team. I have a question first before we go. We'll start going through the, the bits of the article. Uh, Lucas, when you say that the Broncos had a good uh, offseason or something along mm -hmm. those lines, do you mean good as in um, these things are just kind of, oh man, I've lost the wording for this. Do you think good means they're going to be able to compete or good meaning that these are good acquisitions that will eventually lead to a team that can compete? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both because I think their draft was 
really, really, really good, in my opinion. Like, it's the ideal way of how I would build a team in the draft. Uh, I think that the draft, we can get into that uh, there. And uh, I think they built really well. And But they also did a good job of being able to compete now because your rookies, no matter who it is, unless it's some freak of nature like a Quentin Nelson type of player, they're not really going to contribute extremely well early on, or like a Bosa. They're not going to contribute extremely well early on. But they also got an A.J. Bouye who is still, not maybe not relatively young, but still in his prime and not completely aging yet. And you got Jarrell Casey, who is aging, but he's still a quality player. So I think they made a good balance of moves. And I think they did a good job with their future in the draft. But this made two trade acquisitions who could help them right now, at least. All right. Well, I want to start right there then. Uh, my first question for you is pretty blunt and to the point. Why will A.J. Boye be better in Denver than he was last year in Jacksonville? Yeah, so A.J. Bouye, he, he's been good pretty much every year before this past year in Jacksonville. Uh, he was long, lined up alongside Jalen Ramsey for a while. He did great Texas. He's just he's a quality player, and I, I'm not guaranteeing he's going to be a great player, obviously, because of the nature of the cornerback uh, position itself. You can be imperfect coverage all the time, but sometimes it throws a good buy up. But A.J. Bouye, I think he's going to give – the Broncos, I think I'll word this, another solid corner. I mean, the Broncos already have Justin Simmons to work with, and adding A.J. Bouye alongside him is going to give him somebody to work with. And he really struggled this past year to get into it. He really struggled because Jalen Ramsey got traded away too. He was just put on the best guy and uh, whoever offense he faced, which I know your cornerback, your top-tier cornerback, should be, always be doing that. But when you're constantly doing that against whoever they're facing in the AFC South or whoever they're facing in whoever the NFC points are, when you're constantly doing that, you're going to look bad no matter who you're playing because you're facing quality receivers. And he needs somebody alongside him to at least help him or need somebody in zone coverage over top like in the safety like you can get in Justin Simmons or needs like a quality linebacker like an Alexander Johnson who can cover the middle of the field and can run stop. He's not going to be your guy who's going to – maybe or shut down lockdown corner or like a prime Patrick Peterson or somebody. But when you add them to a team that already has good defensive pieces, like the Broncos do with your AJ Johnson's uh, with your Justin Simmons of the world, I think it's going to elevate his play and it's going to make things a little bit easier on him because this past season in Jacksonville, they got rid of Jalen Ramsey and they kind of stripped things around him. And it's just kind of defense just kind of fell apart a little bit. But when you give him something, the Broncos have where it's a good defensive uh, coach and big fan, Gio, and uh, just quality defensive pieces around him, I think it's going to help him just play better overall and help him just get back to A.J. Bouye level of play. He'll have a comparable season to the one uh, Chris Harris Jr. had last year with the team. <laughs> oh, man. Cause, cause, I mean, I mean you're, you're, you're pretty good with the analytics things. I mean, right. we, we all know fan-wise Chris Harris Jr. was maligned somewhat unfairly a lot of the time he oh, 100%. You know, clearly wasn't you know the shutdown slot guy that we've seen before um but uh when you look at both of those two together who both s- had kind of similar situations with uh you know losing somebody on the other side of them cornerback wise mm-hmm. and having to take the brunt of you know number one corners and what in a stacked uh receiver division uh, do you well i guess the same question again do you 
do you think he'll have a comparable or maybe better or worse season than we saw from Chris last year? Yeah, I think the thing with Chris, I I really like Chris Harris Jr. a lot. I think when he was with Denver, uh, he didn't get enough credit from the NFL landscape. Just being being he's a slot cornerback and he didn't get respect. He's a great corner, but I think it could be somewhat comparable to Chris Harris Jr. I think he's going to play better than Chris now that they got at least they drafted a corner in Michael Ujamudier. Uh, I probably butchered his last name. I've never been able to pronounce his name it's, correctly. It's, it's, just... it's like Oje Mudia. You pronounce it in that kind of chunked segments. Oje Mudia. I've never been able to pronounce his name correctly, no matter what. I. Uh, but yeah, they got him, and they got uh, Bryce Callahan coming back. Hopefully, he'll be healthy. And I think they actually got pieces around him. And I think it's not going to be a the similar, not going to be exactly similar to Chris Harris Jr. I think it's going to be a step up from him this past year where he at least has somebody to help him somewhat. But I think uh, bringing in the Chris Harris Jr. comp is an interesting comparison. I think it could be similar, but I think it could be a little bit of a step up from Chris Harris Jr., not in terms of play, but in terms of at least he has help around him to work with. Well, I'm wow. I'm trying to mull that one over a little bit. I, think I, can, I, I can I can absolutely see anyone, even if if uh, Boye had a significantly like notably worse season than Chris did uh, last year. Mm-hmm. Um, the nature of Fangio's secondary is cohesion, less one on one, man on man. You take this person, yep. you know, which is kind of the way I think a lot of people who watch or th- or think they're watching. Uh, that was the most <laughs> conceited shit I've ever said in my life. Uh, <laughs> But having a bunch of solid guys, uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to having one great guy and a bunch of nobodies on a in a secondary like Fangio's, I th- I think would be better. Yeah, um, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced personally that Boye is going to have a rebound season or be better than Chris. But mm-hmm. I can see that you know I'd rather have a bunch of good guys than have to you know deal with Devonte Harris and one. Devonta Harris and Chris Harris both trying to stop very high-level players. Right, right. I think there's a lot of analytical articles out there right now that kind of show that how Vic Fangio's style of defense is, where it's kind of just solid guys and cohesion is the way to go, rather than just having, like, say, Stephon Gilmore on. I say the Patriots have one of the best defenses in general, defenses in general, but it's better to have a bunch of quality guys, a bunch of just solid guys, rather than have a couple like two or three star power guys and just have a like a below average defense around them from what i've seen anyways all right all right well so that's that's boyer uh let's go ahead and, and move on to jarell casey mm-hmm. why was he only worth a seventh rounder so i've been asking my question myself that question a bit now and when he got traded from the Broncos or to the Broncos, excuse me, to the Broncos from Tennessee, I was sitting there wondering, like, what's going on here? Like, why are the Titans just shipping out one of their longtime standout players in Jarrell Casey, who's been not just like a standout player for the Titans, but a standout player in the NFL from the interior defender position? He's he's and, been a, a Pro Bowler for like five straight years, right? Right, yeah, I believe he has, and some players can say, oh, probably doesn't matter, but I think he's one of those guys who can go, he's still a quality player. You know what I mean? Yeah. Pro Bowl might mean a little bit more if you're on a uh, a team that doesn't get much attention. Yeah, that's a good point. Agreed. Good point. 
Yeah, I'm not sure exactly why he was only a seventh rounder, and I was kind of thinking about it. I don't know exactly. Obviously, I'm not in for an office in Tennessee, but uh, I think they really looked at seeing Jeffrey Simmons because he got quite a bit of snaps playing for Tennessee. He didn't get a ton, but I talked about this on my podcast at the Airdale podcast. Go uh, listen to that. Uh, <laughs> Aired but, out, Aired out podcast available on Stitcher. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I talked about I talked about like a breakout sophomores, and Jeffrey Simmons was one of them. And I think I believe Drew uh, Casey has a bigger contract for just in general. So I think the Titans are ready to move on from Drew Casey, get out some salary, especially since they're kind of getting uh, geared up to. Signed Derrick Henry. They just franchise tagged him. But uh, I think they like they seen Jeffrey Simmons. I liked him a lot coming out of college here before Mississippi State. I, also, I believe he got hurt I liked before. him a lot. Uh, he was really good. I, we didn't get him. <laughs> he, who, I remember watching and going to, going to the Titans. like, wow, what a skill for the Titans having Daryl Casey in. Well, he, he also just tore his ACL. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, he so, tore it. Yeah. Because he missed like the first like however many weeks of the season to start with, but he's a he's a really good player. So I'm thinking, at least my thought was, they're ready to move on from the contract. They're got their new guy, and they're just want to get something out of him. But yeah, uh, I think the Broncos just went and like the Titans didn't want to have that big contract with Jarrell Casey anymore, and they had their guy in Jeffrey Simmons, so they wanted to move off of it and get something out of it and. I'm guessing the rest of the NFL wasn't a big fan of his contract-wise or play-wise, so Broncos just snagged him up for a late-round pick. Yeah, so that's that's my biggest question with this is everything that you said makes sense. They they have a younger replacement ready to go. Yep, yep. Uh, his contract is is not small, and he's getting a little bit up there in years. But mm-hmm. why didn't thirty other teams show interest besides the Broncos? You know. Right. That's the question I've been asking myself a little bit too. Like, I really don't get it. Like, I believe he has a year left on his contract. I may be wrong on that, but I know there's not a ton left on it. And I'm just wondering why one of these high-end teams just didn't at least take a flyer on him and toss in, like, instead of a seventh rounder from the Broncos, like, like a Packers, for example, or one of my teams who can add somebody alongside a Kenny Clark, for example, and to toss in, okay, say, we'll give him, like, a fifth rounder for Drill Casey for one year. And I, I don't know. I, I, I Maybe I'm missing something, but I still think he's a quality player, especially for his age. I'm, yeah, I'm, no, I'm not sure. My brow has been furrowed since the trade. It, it's still bizarre to the point of I, I've this conspiratorial thinking the whole time. <laughs> like, something, a best-case scenario, he insisted upon the Broncos – Mm-hmm. And they were being super cool about it, uh, I guess. Yeah, but, <laughs> but like point. for seventh rounder, it seems like w- did anyone spend a sixth rounder on a punter this year? That would have been like, yeah, I could take case. Like, did everyone not have any cap and nobody had D line problems? A seventh rounder just seems ridiculous. Uh, somebody I think drafted a long snapper sometime in the draft. They should have taken Jarrell Casey. <laughs> whoever that was they made a horrible crucial error and they should be fired the gm can't remember who it is uh blake ferguson yeah sixth round pick 185 by the dolphins well okay never mind at lsu you mean yeah it makes it makes zero sense in my my uh perspective also i don't get it i maybe they know something we don't know 
maybe there's some kind of inciting sort of trading going on here when you get uh the government involved i really don't know <laughs> you have, do you have any like genuine conspiracy conspiratorial thoughts towards this uh Why? maybe john elway has like some blackmail over the titans gm okay that's good who is the titans uh, gm do we know no idea maybe he, heads. maybe oh, he uh knows some knows something about mike Vrabel. who knows Maybe the DMP's retirement has something to do with it, the defensive coordinator from the Titans. Who knows? Aaron, what do you think happened? Uh, I I genuinely... Right now, I'm looking to see if there's some relationship between uh, John Robinson, who's the GM of the Titans, and John Elway. Um, Robinson's worked for the Patriots, Buccaneers, and Titans, so there is no Broncos connection there whatsoever. He did play football at the Air Force Academy. So maybe there's a Colorado tie. So that's a Ooh, that's a stretch. <laughs> kind of fine. No, it's 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 an interesting one because Jarrell Casey is definitely a player that I'm excited to have on this team. What if he walks into the cryo chamber with blistered feet? What if that's it's that kind of situation? Oh god. <laughs> He's gonna lose his mind like Gabe you did. I mean, now that that is a legitimate fear. <laughs> or a very yeah. Imagine A B with with hundred and fifty additional pounds. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> three ABs. <laughs> oh no. As a cracker, I am very scared. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. That's funny. Alright, well before we keep digging this hole any deeper, um any final thoughts on, on Casey before I move along? Pigs love holes. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm good. All right. Uh, I want to move on to the draft then and and some concerns that I have with some of the Broncos draft picks. Okay. Uh, Keeping in mind that we are currently doing a one episode per draft pick and maybe maybe leave some for the rest of them, ooh, Aaron. Okay. Maybe come up with some questions for the rest of them, Aaron. Don't leave uh, Clellan Farrell out there with Hamler with nothing to do. Uh, you're you're right. You're right. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I'll ask the same questions. I don't care. For money, yes. Well, you're getting paid? For for mud, especially. For slop, king hog happy. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I'm going to go ahead and start with that second round pick. KJ Hamler had, uh, was it was it 12 drops? Yeah, it, it wasn't good. It wasn't good from a hand standpoint. Why shouldn't the Broncos be concerned about that? Uh, great question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not going to beat around the bush here. They should be concerned about it. But I think there's all there's in the draft, obviously, there's certain aspects that are kind of just not I mean, red flags, but are just worries for teams. And Hamler's one of those guys where it's just like, what is he doing with his hands? It's like the guy in the combine from whatever years ago it was where he's just getting hit in the face with balls. And he just has some I, – I, re, I really don't know what he's doing with his hands. It was like, I could catch better than he could, and I got tiny hands. <laughs> I, I really don't know what he was doing out there with his hands. I can't – I have tiny hands. We all have tiny hands. Tiny hand solidarity. Aaron's hands are probably adult-sized. Aaron, how big are your hands? I, I got I have large palms and short stubby fingers. 
Yeah, but what's your what's your mitt size? Hey, you like you got some like, bear paws over there? Yeah, yeah, a little bit, little bit bear claws though. All right. I don't know my mitt size. Um, no, mitt every size combine, correct. <laughs> every year when the combine rolls around, I measure my hand, and every year I forget. I'm measuring my <laughs> hand right now. It is exactly one purple spoon long. Mine is one and one fourth pink pen long. Aaron, contribute to the rainbow. We're Mine. almost to a trans flag. Mine. Just get something blue. Aaron, do it in blue. <laughs> my my dresser's brown, and I'm I'm next to my dresser. I'm measuring wow, you... against my drawer, so. Aaron, Aaron A A Atencio ninety one known transphobe. Hey now, don't go hey now. don't go sticking labels like that on me. That is patently false. What were we talking about? Uh, KJ Hamler. Oh, KJ Hamler. And his best uh, hand in the world. And Lucas's tiny hands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't rem- when I ask what we're talking about, please don't remind me of the divergent tra- track we took. That's just <laughs> going to create more paths. <laughs> All right. Is there a history of receivers who have issues with drops in college rectifying that when they get to the NFL? Correct. Yeah. That? It- Yes and no. Like, yeah, that seems like a per player basis and not right. like a trend, right? Well, I, I'm curious just to know if it can be done. Yeah, oh. it, it certainly can be done. It's I'm trying to get dive more into KJ Hamler film to see what his hands do because there's certain things that I I believe uh, when watching a receiver, if it's he's just the ball's hitting him in the hands, like he's just swearing up the ball and he just hits him in the hands and he drops it. Or he's one of those guys where his hand he flashes his hands, but he just goes up field too early, or he just does something out of the ordinary. And there are certain things that a receivers coach can work on with Handler, where if it's sometimes you can just see a concentration, blah, 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 I can't speak English right now, apparently, a concentration issue where he's just going up field too early, or if he's just dropping his hands too early, where it's just like a, he's not focused enough, but a receiver coach can work through with him or if it's a issue of a mechanical issue which is harder to work through because it's mechanical issues are harder to work through because you're drilled into your brain since you're like a toddler on a toddler but whenever you start playing football of you do this and he keeps doing it over and over again if it doesn't get corrected early on it's really 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 hard to break because you're so used to holding your hands in a certain way or moving your arms in a certain way, it's hard to break those issues. Right. But if it's a, like a mental issue with a concentration, he's just not focusing, it's easier to work with because it's easier to talk a guy through it and easier to work with from a receiver standpoint. Take that for what you will because I have zero experience playing wide receiver, but that's what I believe. What do you think uh, of Coach Azani and his ability to do that? Because we've seen, you know, Cortland took – giant strides but we've oh, almost yeah, seen a, a down like a little bit he he what he never like truly flashed but Deshaun hamilton kind of regressed seemingly um and then you know tim patrick was hurt and we mm-hmm. didn't have much else from that uh what do you take from that and what do you expect out of hamler in that situation yeah i i really don't know how to Deshaun hamilton like pre, before this past season i was looking at the broncos roster uh, 
for fantasy football, fantasy football purposes. And I'm hearing a lot of Cortland Sutton. I'm like, okay, Cortland Sutton is doing well. Emmanuel Sanders is there at the time. Like, all right, I got Emmanuel Sanders to keep in mind. And all I heard about Deshaun Hamilton, Deshaun Hamilton was this could be his year. He could break out. And he just never hit. And I'm just sitting there like, what happened to this guy? And sometimes there's guys where it's just, no matter what you do, you can't get him to play well because ultimately it's up to the player more than as a coach at some point, just skill-wise. Obviously, you can scheme up guys with certain little routes or with like uh, motions, playing the slot. But certain guys, you just can't get them to gel or work on their skills or improve at some point. It's just the nature of the NFL. But, man, I don't know. It's a good question. I you think... We, you know what we can do? What's we can that? Blame, we can blame Joe Flacco. Oh, I'm always behind that. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, how much does playing with three different quarterbacks over the course of one season factor into that? I mean, if you're obviously Cortland Sutton's in the same boat, second year receiver, really coming into his own yeah. Yeah. with those three three different quarterbacks, he played well with every one of them. But I don't mm-hmm. think that anybody is going to argue that Deshaun Hamilton and Cortland Sutton are the same tier, you know, the same caliber of player. Of course not, no. So, yeah, how much is that a factor? It's certainly a factor because you got a guy like uh, Joe Flacco, who obviously you know when his Ravens when the Ravens were on that big run and Super Bowl winning uh, season, he was known for just those deep passes down the sideline and those just chuck it down the field. But when you look at him now and you look at his analytics and you just watch him play, he's not really that guy. He's not the guy where he's gonna fire up the seam like a 25-yard piss missile or just uh, just launch it on the sideline. What did you just say? A 25-yard piss missile? I love it. Keep going, please. <laughs> uh, but no, he's now a guy where he's just going to kind of throw the flat, hit you in short yards, and everybody always thinks, oh, Joe Flacco, he's got the big arm. He's just not that guy anymore. But when I you will put in, readily admit that that was the Joe Flacco I thought we were getting because I right. don't watch any Baltimore football whatsoever. Right, and I th- I'm <laughs> I'm right in the same boat with you. When he went to the Broncos, like, oh, they're getting uh, Joe Flacco, uh, cannon for an arm. Like watching him, like Joe Flacco's not throwing piss missiles anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> but and then you get Drew Locke, who is he's not a complete Joe Flacco stereotype of flinging it down the field. Uh, but he's still uh, – he'll throw down the field more than Joe Flacco does. He, he – it makes it hard on receivers because you have to get used to uh, quarterbacks' rhythms, their tendencies, what they like to do when they'll hit you on routes, and it makes it different, especially when you get Brandon Allen in the mix of that too. You go from Joe Flacco, Brandon Allen, and Drew Locke. It makes it hard on receivers. And Cortland Sutton obviously showed it doesn't matter who he was with, but – I'm, I'm certainly doesn't make it easy on a guy like Deshaun Hamilton to work with three different guys who are different style quarterbacks. It doesn't help also when you have Joe Flacco who uh, has zero pocket presence whatsoever. <laughs> I also wonder how much it affected Hamilton just to have that big drop in week one. Yeah. Uh, I wonder how much, you know, maybe that just kind of got to him mentally. Right. Uh, I I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt if it got to him a lot, being like he's still a young guy. And especially in week one, which beginning of the season, you want to get things on track. You want to get started off on the right foot. 
yeah, I wouldn't doubt it if that really affected him a lot. Right. So you're saying Hamler's going to fix his hands? I'm saying Hamler's going to turn into Larry Fitzgerald. That's exactly what I'm saying. Awesome. Hey. <laughs> sounds great to me. He's going to be a much more compact Larry Fitzgerald, though. Yeah, you were like a uh, short uh, Larry Fitzgerald. <laughs> All right, what well, moving on. Oh, well, sorry. No, I've, I've still got Hamler questions, Aaron. Okay. You go ahead. I thought, I thought we were what, what saving do you Hamler think, questions. What do you think is a realistic expectation for Hamler year one? Like his role in the offense, maybe even like targets okay. uh, or, or role on the team, if not just the offense. What do you think of that? Right. I, I don't think it's going to be like a Jerry Judy. I see him. Everybody loves him. I love him. I don't think it's be Jerry, near a Jerry G type of role, but I think what they can do with him is like as a weapon type of role. So, kind of like, don't get too afraid by this, but kind of like Tavon Austin almost, where he's freak of nature, athletically quick and speed wise, because he can fly at the line of scrimmage. So he may be kind of a slot player for the, the Broncos almost, or if uh, the offense, uh, I think the guy new offensive coordinator in Denver, correct me, but uh. I think they could use him as kind of a weapon kind of role. I had him going to the Ravens in one of my mock drafts I did for the Ravens because uh, Ravens have all these kind of weapons. Like they have Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, and guys who can just fly around the field at Mach uh, 10 speed. And I think that you, what you could do with KJ Hamlin for the Broncos, they really don't have that kind of uh, offensive weapon type of guy on their team. It's not the top of my head. I can't think of anybody, but uh, – but I think it could be a good offensive weapon to kind of roll for them, where you can kind of run from the slot, use them like an end arounds, use them get get them creative and get them in open space, and let them just kind of take off essentially. So you see him as having a role in the offense immediately. Maybe not immediately, maybe like a large role, but I could see him having like his own like specific role of like weapon kind of role. You know what I mean? Not like your traditional receiver role where he's like. Lining up like on outside, a juiced up version of what they did with Deontay Spencer last year. Yeah, where that they could kind be. of have him. In, I mean, he never saw any actual ball action, right. but right. he was there for for the decoy purposes. Right, I could yeah, I could see that, but they actually give him the ball because he's yeah he's fast as all can be and agile as all can be. He's skinny, so if you touch him, could probably knock him over. But he's still actually he's not terribly skinny. He's I thought he was skinnier before we were going to the combine, but he put up a pretty good bench press at least, or that's worth. But I think he could be similar to that role, but he actually gets the ball, and he actually is used in the offense in a real role. At the moment, I have this uh, intense and crippling fear mm-hmm. that uh, we drafted a second-round punt returner. That's an interesting way to look at it, and I think I'd – I don't mean to scare your shitless, but I think that's an entire possibility at KJ Hamler's work. Say, when I say punt returner, I mean that's his job and his like, only job. Initially in the NFL? Or are you being like exclusively? Uh, yeah, exclusively. Like he ends up being mm-hmm. a Tavon Austin kind of role where it's like, well, mm-hmm. it turns out he's got the special teams ability, but on an actual offense, maybe those drops are too much. Maybe his size comes into play in an unfortunate way. Also, the Broncos' offensive coordinator, which is new this year, is uh, Pap Schmer. Shut up. Previously of the <laughs> Giants, had the good year with Case Keenum, Pap Schmer. <laughs> oh, man. 
Sorry, that's an old uh that's an old reference there, uppercut that I it's actually a twisted old reference. Someone in the subreddit misspelled his name Schmur. Oh, I gotcha. And uppercut took sure it. Yeah. I was gonna Pat say, like, wait, what do you mean? What do you mean? I'm like, Pat oh, I like it. I thought you were saying like pouch mirror first. Like, what? I was. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was right I'm not for that leave. Yeah, you so, weren't wrong. You just weren't in on the joke. Which right. is the same as being wrong. And maybe more <laughs> embarrassing, honestly. <laughs> But no, I I think the partner turner role is very scary and is a possibility, at least initially in the NFL. But I think he has some at least route running ability that Tavon Austin didn't have. Like he can win underneath routes and is a better route runner than Tavon Austin was when he came out of uh, West Virginia. As well as that, some of the subsequent moves since the draft mm-hmm. uh, have made me even more terrified of, of that possibility. Uh, right. The, the declining of Bull's fifth year option and uh, we haven't signed another vet cornerback. And those two things kind of make me like, I'm not a fan of Bowles as a starter or anything. I, you know, everyone pretty much thinks he should be replaced. It's just at what pace, I think. But the idea of going into the, this following season without a left tackle on the books, uh, on, on the roster, mm-hmm. and you spent your second round on somebody who could potentially end up just being a returner, um, that makes me uh, crunkle up in my sheets at night. Yeah, it, heading into this draft, I wouldn't wouldn't have been shocked if the Broncos took like a Matt Pert, which is somebody who uh, went to the Giants, who needs some development and needs some seasoning with him. And I wouldn't be shocked if they gave him a year behind Gare Bowles and use that declining op- decline in his player option. But I was kind of surprised they didn't. Like they didn't even touch. Offensive tackle, I can remember, right? Maybe I'm wrong here. They got an undrafted guy from a college I will never remember, and I refuse to listen to it if you find it. (laughs) Do we know know who it was? I don't even know who it was. I hear somebody clicking. That's probably me. Somebody's doing work. It is me. Broncos. Eh. Eh. I got a pen in my hand. I can't type. I refuse to drop it. Uh, who'd they get? Hunter Watts. Does that sound right? Yeah, that sounds right. Okay, yeah, I have no idea who the hell that is, so I'm not even going to give an opinion on him. All right, well, in your latest Broncos article, uh, you Mm -hmm. said that, uh, I might butcher this name, um, Natane Muti? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Natane Muti. So you say that he could be the steal of the draft. Uh, Mm Mm-hmm. Can he kick out the tackle, or can he push Dalton Reisner out to tackle? The Dalton Reisner thing, I think, is actually interesting. I think that's completely viable that Dalton Reisner gets kicked out to tackle. Uh, Natani Mucci cannot move to tackle because he uh, isn't very agile initially. It takes him like a little bit to get out of his stance, so I'd be worried okay. about him at tackle. But I think the Dalton Reisner thing is completely feasible. I can see that happening. He played tackle in college, I believe, if I remember correctly. And I think that's a that's a more than feasible thing that can happen. Okay, so my follow up to Natani Muti yeah. uh was why should the Broncos be excited about him? Mm-hmm. Because we already have Dalton Reisner at left guard and Graham Glasgow now at right guard. Yeah. 
but if he can push Dalton out to left tackle, if Dalton can actually play left tackle, well, then mm. maybe that answers that question. Yeah, I think it's a big possibility that – so we were talking about Garrett Bowles and the declining option. Um, and Apricot was obviously upset about that. He uh, almost had a mental breakdown. But uh, I think that the Dalton Reisner could end up playing left tackle. And I think Broncos fans should be excited about Antonio Muti because – of the value got in him and all, all drafts and all I talked about was value, value, value. That's all I talked about, but it's a, a real thing. I think it's very important when you draft because Natani Muti, he had a Achilles injury in college. He had a Liz Frank injury in college, which is like a foot injury. And he had maybe one more injury in college and it really held him back a little bit. But when you watch Natani Muti, when he's healthy on the field, you're like, Oh my God, this guy is a freak of nature. He's just a giant human being who you can't out-muscle the guy. I don't care who you put if it's a tackle. He's just a freak of nature. He's going to just jack you up and move you out of the way like you're a toothpick. He's so physically gifted, and his, his legs are giant, his upper body is giant. So if he turns into the guy who I think he can turn into, which is a high-end guard because of his incredible athleticism and just his giant mitts for hands, like we were talking about hands, bring that back, uh, giant hands i think that could be a, a steal of a pick but at least if he doesn't turn out you at least used the correct pick on him because of his injuries he could it's a possibility he won't turn out at all because liz frank the Achilles, those are not good injuries if you're a old lineman but the possibility of him turning good is just so worth it for the broncos that's why i just loved 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 this pick does come across though uh i don't know if you've seen this and i somewhat regrettably have this memory in my head mm-hmm. of an episode of South Park. Okay. Where one of the kids uh, is excited because there's a buy one, get one half off um, deal for the movie Time Cop. Uh, okay. Both both just Time Cop, not sequels. Um, and, you know, the joke is even though it's a good value, you're getting two movies for less than two movie price. You're still just getting something you already had. Mm, okay. I think that's that seems to be a concern. I think that's what Aaron was kind of saying. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, that's a fair concern. I mean, yeah, but I, I, I'm guessing the Broncos plan here. Cause I'm guessing Lloyd Kirchenberry will be an, either probably a center for the Broncos. But I'm guessing what the Broncos plan here is with Antani Muti is Dalton Reisner played uh, tackle in college. If Natani Muti can develop into what they think he can develop into, which is a physical nature, physical freak of nature guard, they can kick Dalton Reisner out to left tackle, get rid of Garrett Bowles. I think that's a huge possibility for them. I think that's maybe what they're planning on doing. But I'm guessing if Natani Muti doesn't turn into what they uh, believe he can turn into, or what I can believe he can turn into, they could ultimately spend a left pick on a left tackle in the first round next year. Um, or try signing a quality left tackle or something. I'm guessing, from my perspective, I'm guessing it's the Dalton Reisner thing where he's getting kicked out to left tackle to see if he can play that well at an NFL level and uh, having Antony Muti take over at uh, guard for them. Well, I'll throw this out there too. I I don't think that Reisner to tackle is the only uh, versatility answer that the Mm -hmm. Broncos have because – Graham Glasgow also played center for the Lions last year. Yeah. 
and has played center in spots throughout uh, his time with the Lions. So it's possible that if maybe Lloyd Cushenberry Cush uh, doesn't work out and the maybe uh, Moody stays healthy, so mm -hmm. boom, you put Moody at right guard and you put Glasgow at center and you got a pretty stout, you know, interior offensive line there. Yeah. I'll have a left tackle on the books for 2021. Well, that's true. <laughs> I mean, I, I think regardless, we're we're at the point where the Broncos have kicked that can down the road and whether down the road is later this month and they sign. That's I such know. an important can. No, I, I, I don't. That can's got money all. in it. <laughs> That's the swear can. What that if they can uh... might have the future of Drew Locke in it? Oof. Yeah. Oh. So I, I, have a, I have a question, uh, Lucas. Um, I've answered. <laughs> in their top forms, at their height of potential, mm -hmm. you can only keep one, uh, assuming no injuries come to either of them. Uh, okay. Mooty or Reisner? Which one would you rather have playing left guard? Oh, left guard. Oh, I'd take a no injuries. The top no injuries. Top assume assume they're at the top of their their uh, mm -hmm. you know they've reached their ceiling. Yeah. and you don't have to worry about injuries. Who would you take? I'd take Mooty. I think his I think his ceiling is so incredibly high that it's it's hard to it's hard to not take him. He. His one main concern at Red Flag for me was his injury. So if we're taking that off the table, I'm more than willing to take Muti because he can be your high-end guard in the NFL. If he ever reaches that, it's hard, really hard to say because of his injuries. But his peak top-end ceiling is so, so, so high because he's just this massive human being. If he's off the table, where would you take him in the draft? Ooh. Where would you would have taken him, I guess? Probably not day one. Probably like as a day two pick, day two, like second round. Second round. Yeah, I'm I'm that in love with his play. I'm only having second round because he's a guard. And there's not much value there from an analytics standpoint. There's more value in tackle, more important position. But when you, if you can get a guy who is a physical freak of nature like he is, I I love it. The only thing that kind of works for me is like his pass sets are a little stiff because he sometimes gets slow getting out of his stance, but I really love him as a prospect. He's just physically just so gifted. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I had something I was going to ask, and I just completely drew a blank. Stepped in, <laughs> got my way, got Aaron all frazzled. <laughs> uh, well, shit. Okay, I guess we're moving right along. <laughs> <laughs> that's not coming back I can just uh, say it later and I'll put it wherever oh, I want I've got it, I've got it, I've got it I don't believe you do you think that, that and it's okay if you don't answer this because okay. who can know mm -hmm. how much do you think that Moody might have been impacted by the fact that teams weren't able to have uh, visits and do their own medical evaluations mm -hmm. this year because of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Yeah, I think, obviously we don't know, but I think he could have been one of the casualties of it from a draft standpoint. Uh, his, I think a lot of concerns of teams is, was his injury, because it was Frank the Achilles, 
because he has everything that an NFL team, even if you're not analytically inclined, even that they're just like your stereotypical, just uh, physical freak of nature kind of team that they would fall in love with. I think he has everything the team would love. He's a big dude. He's got giant legs. He's got a big upper body. He can flip guys around like he's in nobody's business. Uh, I think he's one of those casualties of the Liz Frank injury, the kids injury. Teams are weird in that way where they want to get their own doctors there. They want to get their own medical personnel, their own athletic trainers there. They want to look at him their way. And I think he could have been a higher pick if some team's doctor went, all right, he's good. But I think he's he's definitely one of those casualties. I was talking about it earlier on my podcast pre-draft, talking about Tua Tagovailoa possibly being one of those guys. I'm pretty sure I mentioned Natani Muti, Tua obviously with his hip injury. And I think definitely Natani Muti is – possibly one of those casualties. I think that's a really good uh, point you bring up there. I think it's also natural for teams to be worried about a huge man like that having that foot mm-hmm. injury. I mean, we've seen in Denver, we've seen that foot injury uh, effectively end the careers of Champ Bailey and Peyton Manning. Yeah. I mean, it was hugely detrimental to both of those guys. And both of those guys play you know, a completely different brand of football where Peyton Manning was a statue for basically his entire career. Mm-hmm. That Cowboys game where he ran past Mark Swain. Remember when he ran and he got a touchdown? That was one of my favorite Peyton Manning plays of all yeah, time. Yeah, it was <laughs> favorite play. Yeah. So unlikely. So good. Bandwagon, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's... I, I completely see what teams are worried about him. I, that's why he said that's why it's a good question if there's no injury concerns where I take Muti out that second round but the injury concerns are there they're giant red flags there's a Achilles injury which takes usually takes the explosiveness out of guys and you take the power of guys because it's such a key part of your body but Muti somehow overcame it and a Liz Frank injury but it's going to be hard to reach his peak if those injuries are coming up which I completely get by an NFL team wouldn't want to take him because Look at these all these red flag injuries. I think it's a, more than reasonable for an NFL team to be way scared of it. It's funny him falling that far is not a head scratcher like Jarrell Casey going for a seventh rounder is. <laughs> <laughs> like with Moody, you can just say, "Well, yeah, here's the list of reasons." Right, Casey, you can say, just like I don't know, it doesn't add up. Right, I. <sighs> It's so that drug thing still bothers me. I need to check his contract right now because this is bothering me. He, <laughs> maybe he has like some I don't even know drug Casey, drug Casey contract. It's just he's a I don't get it. I really don't get it. There's maybe something we don't know about him that somebody else knows. I got I'm all scattered right here. There you know who is, would have made. There's three years left on his contract. 2020, 2021, 2022. But he's not making an insane amount. Right. $11 million, $11 million, $13 million. I, I think it would have made a ton of sense for the Chiefs to offer him or to offer to trade for him instead yeah. of uh, instead of franchising um, uh-oh, blanking on his name, Clark, Chris, Chris Clark. Jones. Chris Jones. Oh, no. Why do you not know that? Oh, I don't. <laughs> I really don't know. I am ashamed. I'm deeply disappointed in you. You hear the timbre of my voice? I do. I'm almost into the vocal fry. That's how disappointed. 
Here's some interesting Might words. be the deepest I've ever heard you speak. <laughs> All right. I want to keep it on the interior of the offensive line for a second here. Wait, can I just a second? Like, this is a complete divergent. Do you remember earlier when Debronx1414 said it made sense that English was my second language? I do remember him saying I that, just want to I... point out that I noticed that and the conversation was going too quickly for me to say anything about that. But uh, fuck you. <laughs> Wait, a... what? He knows. It was, yeah, it's a whole thing. It... Oh, not during this conversation. We can go on. I mean, I just want him to know it. I know he listens because he's a loyal, uh, good person, friend sometimes, apparently. Uh, but we, we can move on. We can go on. What are we talking right. about? I have a question. Okay. I have an answer, probably. What can McTelvin Ajim do to stand out instead of being buried in a crowded DL? D-line. Oh, you read that so beautifully. You plagiarized <laughs> my comment or my question so beautifully. That was funny. Uh, yeah, so McTelvin Ajim, <clears throat> excuse me, he, the one thing that's going to help him stand out in general is his pass moves from the interior. It's going to be hard to stand up from this crowded uh, Broncos interior defensive line. But the one thing he has for himself, he's got a good build and a long body, long limbs that can obviously really help him in the NFL. But he also has like a, a lot of pass moves, which that's going to be his main separator in the NFL, I think. He's got a swim move. He's got a rip move. He's got a cross chop move. That's going to be his main attribute that's going to help him stand out in the NFL if he makes it. I think he has the potential to make it because his pass searching ability. But if he wants to separate himself, he's going to really need to show that he can be a consistently good pass searcher from the interior. Do you think he was worth a third-round pick? It's hard to say because his inconsistency is just bothers me a lot. There's not huge power, and he's occasionally – like you see a lot of plays where uh, Talvin will have these – nice moves and rattle off a couple moves in a row and be a center or a guard over who he's lined up against. But then there's these plays where he's just like, what are you doing with his hands? Just he go for a move and nothing happens. He kind of just, just gets stuck almost and just gets stalled because he doesn't have a huge, a lot of power in his game. So I, I get the pick. I, I don't know if I would take him in the third round. The third round pick, wasn't it? Yeah. It's hard to say. I'd say tentatively yes. I'm, I'm not a hard yes whatsoever. It's a soft yes because the yes because he has a pass rushing ability in, in the NFL now. Pass rushing is king, but his pass rush moves worry me still because there's not a lot of power behind him and there's not a lot of there's a lot of inconsistencies as well. So soft yes, but I'm not completely sold on it. Or Demarcus Walker. Yeah. Oh my God. They got so many interior linemen in that team. I have, I have unconfirmed rumor reports that he oh, just boy. pissed off Kohler. <laughs> like he did something that personally pissed off Kohler, because you know when he when he gets in, even if it's cleanup, he did have a pretty impressive stat sheet for the amount of snaps he got. Is uh. Yeah. yeah. That he pissed that off like... Kohler. Allegedly, unconfirmed rumors circulated around that Kohler was mad at him. Is is that like the rumor that uh, Peyton Hillis ended up in Josh McDaniel's doghouse because he 
bangs McDaniel's wife. I don't know where that rumor was told to you, but I have my sources. I've seen that one on the <laughs> in the subreddit. I did. That's not my sources. Well, who are your sources? Are they... Why would I reveal my source? I'm a are fucking professional. Yourself? No. Why would I make that up? Because oh, I have no. a grudge against Kohler after everyone was cheering on the fact that he wrestled a bear, but in reality, that probably means he wrestled a drugged-up bear that had its nails pinned to the floor uh, and probably was taken down a little bit uh, beforehand. You don't fucking wrestle a bear, okay? You wrestle, like, an ersatz bear. A goddamn rug. It no, it doesn't sound death. like... It begs for death, Aaron. Don't, it doesn't sound like don't you have support... anything against Kohler at all. Don't support bear antics when it involves like interacting with people it doesn't end well for one of those groups and honestly bears seem much better than people who would wrestle bears i have never heard that bill kolar wrestled a bear is this an actual thing are you just fan do you think i'm riffing (laughs) i can never tell with you let's just move along let's move (laughs) along i want to ask you uh lucas about lloyd cushenberry Okay, yeah. Uh, what about him? He looks like if 50 Cent had a lot of girth. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a good comparison. That's, that's really funny. But uh, he's similar to Mooty in that he's a big dude and will work well like in a phone booth, similar to Mooty. So I think they're kind of drafting based on a certain style of guys they like. Especially the interior of the line, they don't want their guys to be movers essentially or be out and running. If they do want that, <clears throat> sorry, my voice cracked. Oh my goodness, back to puberty. Uh, if they do want that, I think they did the wrong thing here for taking a Muti and Cushionberry because Cushionberry and Muti are guys who are going to work well in phone because they're big, strong, sturdy guys. Muti is obviously the physical freak of nature, but Cushionberry uh, is a guy who, if you're going to bull rush him, it's going to be hard on you because he's going to be able to just anchor down and lock you down, at least for the most part unless you're one of these top tier uh, bull rushers. But he's got some power behind him and he's got just a big upper body, he's got big legs, he's a thick dude uh, thick 50 cent or whatever you call them, I can't remember that now <laughs> but, uh, no, he's he's a phone booth kind of guy, so he's an, a similar to Muti in the fact that he's just big dude, big legs not really great in space or great moving around, but if you give him just like a gap kind of scheme, a one-on-one kind of guy, just get him in a uh, phone booth. He's hard to move. He's hard to move. He's a big dude. Okay, that's kind of all I have on on Cushenberry. <laughs> he's a not nobody knows about him. He's just one of those guys who got forgot about on that LSU offense. But it's it's just so weird to see him fall all the way to the end of the third. Uh, I, I saw him as high as the first round in, in some mocks. Well, sometimes the Pro Bowl hype doesn't last, apparently. Not Pro Bowl. I'm sorry. What do I mean? Tell me what I mean. Uh, uh, Senior Bowl. Don't, don't no one helped up. me. No one helped me at all. <laughs> but no, he was... He's a quality player. He's just... He's not a good pass blocker unless it's like a bull rush kind of move. So I think they want to keep him in a keeping that full booth kind of role, and especially in the running game. Aaron. 
I'm really, really sorry. I just got distracted reading a bit of a player bio on Mooty. You're a good host. I'm so terrible. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh, you're good, man. Don't worry about it. You're the one with the outline that I scrolled away from. <laughs> I can't pick it up where you left off. I don't know what you wanted to ask. Here's one. I've got a question, which is how I start all questions Here now. Here and you respond. It's so have... natural. <laughs> no, I say it, and then he has a thing. We have a back and forth. I have a question. Okay, I have an answer. Awesome. Um, <laughs> I know you've said it, because I did read your thing, because I'm a good host. Uh, and I've seen the sentiment repeated a lot since the draft. Mm-hmm. Does Does zone defense in college or anywhere mm-hmm. mean ubiquitously zone everywhere when you say something like oj mudia is a scheme fit yeah is it just as simple as he played heavy zone in college therefore any zone con or any zone scheme in uh, the pros is going to be a natural fit for him that's a good question uh not necessarily, but it's certainly going to be way easier than transitioning to a man kind of scheme. Like uh, Josh Jackson, a Packer player, Packers used quite a bit of man coverage because they have guys like Jerry Alexander, they got Kevin King who can work work well. But he really struggled with the transition to the NFL because he's another Iowa guy who they pretty much run exclusively zone coverage kind of schemes there at Iowa. And when he went to the Packers, he really, really struggled because He's not a man coverage kind of guy, and the Packers are kind of trying to fit him into that role and force him to be a man coverage kind of player. Where if they at least ran a bunch of zone with him, or at least somewhat zone with him, or use more zone schemes, he'd fit well. But that fit with the Packers aren't working well. But with uh, Michael, I'm going to call him because I'm going to butcher the name. Uh, I think the zone scheme fit is going to work well with Denver, even if they they don't run exactly the same thing. It's going to be a way easier transition for him to the NFL than compared to Josh Jackson, who's on a manned coverage team. It's going to be a, an easier transition for him. It's not going to be a perfect transition, like any position in the NFL, but it's going to be easier going to a team who already runs a heavy zone scheme, a lot of off-ball coverages. It's going to be an easier transition from uh, Mr. Michael O. <laughs> I'll keep saying it. It's OJ Mudia. Um, it, it's just, I take some exception, and I have no uh, I have no credibility to take this exception. I don't mm-hmm. know football uh, <laughs> on any level. Um, like I told you pre-recording, I like the color orange a lot. Um, <laughs> but when it's, it sounds like to me, or when it hits my ear that way, when you kind of default to the binary, he's a zone fit, or not necessarily yeah. about Ojemudia, but about anybody, when you're, especially yeah. cornerbacks, when you're going like, well, he's a scheme fit. Mm-hmm. because he's zone or he's a scheme fit because he played a lot of man or right. something like that in my head i go like there has to be more steps and i and i i again i crumple into my sheets but this time with anger <laughs> at, at at myself for not knowing if i'm overthinking it or correct uh but mostly at you for making me think that <laughs> no i get i get where you're coming from it's it, there's more to the story than in everything than that like you're for example like a, a bryce hall kind of player He's a good cover three kind of. Why would you bring him up to me? You do not. You do we like Bryce Hall in this podcast? We anti Bryce Hall or we pro Bryce Hall? Oh, you couldn't tell by the tone. No, I I, I assume it's either 
we do not like Bryce Hall, or we are sad we didn't end up on the Broncos. <laughs> I like the power. Is no, pro. I was I was pro. I was pro Bryce Hall. I was pro Bryce oh, Hall. Pro Bryce like Hall it, as like a third or fourth round pick. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, he's a good cover three kind of corner where you put him on one side of the field, let him play off ball, let him use his smart instincts, and that's kind of what you're getting with uh, Ojemudie. Did I get that right? Maybe nope. not. Nope. I'll keep working on that. Uh, I'm going to come back to the podcast. I'm pronounce that name correctly. That's all we'll I'm going to talk about. We'll, we'll have a 30-second segment where you <laughs> do a pronunciation YouTube video of Ojemudie. <laughs> but uh, it's the scheme fit, obviously, there's more to the Broncos' in-depth scheme fit that Vic Fangio does because he's one of the, he's a very smart defensive coordinator. But even if it's not an exact scheme fit from Iowa to Denver, it's making the transition easier, is what I should have said. Because going from a, going from zone coverage to man coverage or vice versa, man coverage to zone coverage from college to the pros, it's making it uh, very, very, very hard on your cornerback, especially going from college to NFL is hard in general, but going from a completely different scheme, one scheme to a completely different one where there's no similarities to it, it makes it hard on guys. But when you're going from a zone to a zone, at least it's another scheme you're comfortable with so you can understand the concepts that Vic Fangio is throwing at you or understand the responsibilities you have in your zone coverage scheme. So there's at least some understanding of, okay, I get where he's coming from with this because we did something similar to Iowa or I get where he wants me to be in this uh, play or in this coverage kind of scheme or in this uh, this concept because we did something similar in college. So it makes it, it makes the transition a little bit easier, but I should have said. Yeah, uh, everything you, you your explanation is is perfectly acceptable to me, and I am no longer mad at you. Um, oh, and that's what I guess. If I thought, you know, if there was an explanation, what you just said was the explanation. It's just when I see it, I know that the people who are writing mm-hmm. under uh, YouTube videos or sometimes in the subreddit, which is a mostly a fountain of good, smart, genius level. Uh, conversation <laughs> between fans. Um, I, I just know that they kind of hear zone and go like zone and zone equals zone. Good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, and and I'm that. That's what I am. That's what I would say if um, if Aaron didn't like chase me around and go like that's stupid. Like if I had nobody <laughs> to wrangle me in, I would be mm-hmm. exactly going like zone equals zone. Right. Don't think yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. It, there's obviously different kind of coverage schemes. There's like your different kind of things going on with zone coverage, doesn't matter where you go. But the transition is completely easy because you can, there's obviously different concepts with different defensive coordinators, different head coaches. But when you go from a zone to a zone, at least, there's some semblance of I understand what I'm going to at least be able to need to do or I can relate to it from my college days in Iowa or, you know, what I'm trying to say. Click on the click on the uh, the the cornerback before Aaron makes his pivot uh, while he's distracted. Um, what do you what are your expectations and hopes and dreams and love for a Sang Basay? I tell me you even, love him. What's that? Tell me you love him. Is it is it is Sang Basay or is Sang Bayfasi? Last, really last time I heard the most like approximate person to him say it, like a reporter or something, it was mm-hmm. a Sang Basay. Uh, but I'm probably wrong, but Aaron's been wrong already, and so at least I'm even. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
my best hopes for him are a playmaker who does great in, get ready for this one, zone coverage. Give me something good. Uh, he's got a great instinct, incredible instincts. So yeah, he was one of the guys I really liked when I was kind of very casually and with not a very big or wrinkly brain going over cornerback prospects. And I mm -hmm. thought, you know, a later round guy, I'm I'm personally quite ecstatic to get him as an undrafted free agent, uh, especially with Fangio and Donatel, who uh, brought up Bryce Callahan and Bassey measures out nearly identically. So, you know, maybe he doesn't have a foot made of, of metal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if Bryce Callahan does somehow break something, tear something next coming season, he could probably be the slot guy in Denver. He's got some insane agility and quickness, and for the Broncos to get him in uh, uh, as an undrafted free agent, I think it's a great steal for the Broncos. He's right. he's a he's a really good player. I think they got. I think I had him as like a <clears throat> excuse me, like as a. Sixth round, fifth round value. But if they get him undrafted, I think it's a nice pickup for the Broncos. Oh yeah, I love it. And you've redeemed yourself from your Greta Van Fleet takes earlier, so you know you can come back. <laughs> that was that pre-podcast. That was pre-podcast. That was pre-podcast, pre and I can remove that if you're I'm too embarrassed for people to know. That's not on the record. <laughs> but no, Aaron. Broncos. Aaron, what's on your list next? I actually have a uh, little bit of follow-up. Do you expect? Bojan Mudia to be maybe the third cornerback? Do you think maybe they'll... I don't know. What what, what does our cornerback think... location... I have it. Let me, let me ask it. Can I ask it? Yeah. Do you agree with the Vic Fangio? The... One of the greatest defensive minds in football today? <laughs> maybe ever. Uh, when he says a rookie... Um, who played for a team that's known uh, uh, for being in a conference of slow-ass people, uh, that he will be the starting outside cornerback. Do you agree with the master? Do I agree do, that he will Do be you there? disagree that the, what the, with what the master has said, that Ojemudia should and probably ought to be already the outside starting corner? Wait, Vic, Vic has actually said that? Pretty sure he said uh, something like that. They expect Ojemudia to be the starting outside, uh, boy, uh, yeah, yeah, outside corner. Well, that's actually news to me. Oh, I knew, I knew <laughs> that. I was gonna try and 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 force Lucas into answering uh, anything other than an unequivocal yes. I agree with the master, um, <laughs> and then pin him down and force him to explain explain the heresy. Wait, who is in the? I need to see the full Broncos depth chart because I actually know. Uh, There's Devonte Bosby, Isaac yep. Yadam, yep. uh, Devonte Harris. Uh, there's a couple people I refuse to name because they were like injured or practice squad or barely on anything. Uh, there's Aseng Bese, Ojemudia. Yep. Uh, there's uh, I can't remember his name. He's the guy with the the goatee mustache. Oh no. That's that's the list off the top of my head. Okay. Of, of cornerbacks. Bouye, Callahan, Devontae Bosby, Isaac Yayarum. I remember him I remember watching one of those primetime games watching him getting torched. But uh I think I think maybe not by default, but I think he could definitely be 
the Broncos outside corner. I, I really don't hate the move there. I don't think he's a great player by uh, any stretch of the imagination. Maybe not. He's, a, he's a quality player, but I think putting him there is at least putting him in a comfortable role of zone coverage, so I'm at least positive there. But I really don't hate it from a coverage standpoint and defense standpoint. I don't think he's a terrible player. I think uh, I like the shot you took out of the Big Ten. I'm a Wisconsin fan, so we just got a bunch of big white boys up here who are just basically 300 just, pound monsters you gotta play volleyball you ain't got none of that florida speed no we have zero speed we're just gonna run you over because all we eat is like beef and just work out in our farms <laughs> i mean i've got the best of i'm from iowa and i live in atlanta i'm the perfect oh, yeah, specimen you perfect you specimen a gigantic fast white guy i'm mostly like i put on a corn hat and fly through the nights and cause crime <laughs> you cause crime. Yeah, I'm definitely a villain. You thought it would be a fucking hero? Look out, it's Corn Man. He's coming for us. No, I don't go by Corn Man. I just wear the hat. That's what I look down and say, you. Uppercut's coming. <laughs> I have a whistle. It's one of those ones with the metal pull lever. It goes, whoop. A slide whistle? <laughs> yeah. That's how they know I'm coming. That's your war cry is a slide whistle. Whoop. <laughs> <laughs> fucking uh omar whistled farmer in the dell that's not intimidating it's farmer in the dell it's it's about the person behind the whistle not the whistle itself so what are we <laughs> complaining about then well you're not exactly omar i said i wore a corn hat and flew through the skies do you know how long this is taking us off the path so far <laughs> for some reason you've let you're... me talk about being corn man causing crime with my slide whistle in the night we're well, so far away from football. Let me let me let you in on the worst part. I'm at the end of my notes. <gasps> Wait, you we don't, don't have any other questions about any other things. We don't. Uh, I, I don't have anything left to rescue us from Corn Man. Oh. I have one question that I've added. Okay. That is not directly related to the draft or free agency. Uh, it's a lack of a move. We already talked about it a little bit because we already talked about uh, how the Broncos can address some holes on the offensive line because of versatility that already exists on the team, on the roster. But if they don't try to push guys out of position or try to kind of, you know, flex guys around, mm -hmm. Garrett Bowles is in all likelihood not the answer at left tackle. Yeah, and I think the front office has made that pretty clear that they don't believe that he is either because they turned down that fifth-year option. So right now, there's still a little bit of a left tackle market. Who do you think is the most realistic target out of these three guys? Kelvin Beecham, Cordy Glenn, or Jason Peters? The most realistic? Yes. Hmm. I'd probably say realistically... Probably. Who's the first guy you listed? I'm sorry. Who's the first guy you listed out of the Duff tackles? Uh, Calvin Beecham. It'd probably be Cordy Glenn because I'm guessing he's not going to be demanding a ton out of the Broncos. But ideally, I'd love to see Jason Peters there just because he's a Jason Peters and he is still. Even with the injury concern, he's still one of the best left tackles in the NFL, I think. Mm -hmm. 
And I think if you got him, if you got like a one year deal, just to sign him because the potential of him being there is uh, great. And eventually him being in the field is, is really good as a left tackle. I wouldn't mind that. But I think realistically, it's probably be Cordy Glenn. Uh, a perfect tough tackle for them would probably be Jason Peters. But he might be demanding a, a little bit much for teams. Do you think Glenn would be an upgrade over Bowles? I mean, I'm not as low on Bowles as most people are. I'm not high in him by any stretch of imagination. But it might be a lateral move almost. If that makes any sense. Like it's not he's not great over him, but he's not terrible. And you're saying uh, that from a talent standpoint. Right. Well, if you okay. Go if ahead. you talent wise move laterally, but you lose all of those holding penalties. Yeah, that's a net positive, right? I mean, technically, it's got to be. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And Courtney Glenn had really nice years when he was a Buffalo, but he's not what he used to be. Sure. But I still think he can be an okay, at least, left tackle. So I, w- I wouldn't hate it, make a competition there, left tackle, see if Bowles is better than he was previous years, seems as Bowles is here finally. But... I wouldn't hate to move for the Broncos. I think it's be it would be the most realistic fit for the Broncos. Okay, follow up. How important do mm-hmm. you think? You said you're not a, as low on Garrett Bowles as a lot of people are. Right, right. How so important many things, Aaron? Aaron, we've known people that are way too low on Garrett Bowles. We absolutely have. Like I, so, the the spectrum of not being as bad as other people. Like ne- neither of us are as bad as you know who. Continue with your question. <laughs> Am I allowed to? <laughs> you are allowed. Permission you... granted. Uh, how important do you think it is, Lucas, to replace Garrett Bowles? Uh, do you paint it as a do-or-die situation for the Broncos' offense, or do you think, I mean, can they survive with Bowles? I think they can survive with Bowles. You know what? Let me let me take that back. Can they thrive? with bowls i think it's going to be a struggle to thrive with bowls but uh no i think they can survive with bowls but i think it's gonna be a, it'll definitely be hard on the broncos to thrive with bowls because he has those plays where you go that's what we wanted out of the left tackle that we wanted out of bowls that's what we saw in him but then there's just dumb plays where you draw a nice play and he's just you look at him and go what are you doing out there what this is not what we want of you. This is not what we drafted you or so early on. But I think you can you can survive both for sure. But thriving is going to be hard, especially when he's not on when he what he can do. He's not showing what he can do. It's going to be hard for them. I'll say that. I think it's possible. It's not going to be easy in any stretch of the imagination. But at least they have guys now who can make something happen with Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler. Sure. So a lot of people point to the last five weeks when Drew Locke came in and how Garrett Bowles really seemed to turn a corner. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a lot, lot of people. Of, a lot of people will point out... Specific people. A lot of people will point out that he <laughs> did the same thing in 2018. So how much stock do you put into those last five games? I don't put a huge amount of stock into it. But I put a little bit into it. There's, there's something there, at least. You can't say, oh, 
just write it off. It's just another one of these things because I think offensive tackle is such a hard position to develop, especially in the NFL. It's one of those guys where you're never – your first few years in the NFL, you're never ready because it takes so much to develop the left tackle position and right tackle position. just takes so much. But I think there's promise. That's why I'm not so low on bulls. Like those weeks of look at that's what he's doing. He's actually a quality, playing quality left tackle and he's doing well. Those weeks are like those would give me like hope for him at least, giving some positivity and going, all right, he's showing what we wanted out of him. I put some stock in that. I don't play a huge amount, but those are the little glimpses that are like, all right, this is why I don't hate the guy completely. This is why I'm like, okay. I see some positivity here. We don't need to completely bash on the dude. I, there's, that's what we want out of him. That's what he can do. I, sure. I think those are things give me like something like, all right, I, I, li- I like him a little bit at least. All right. Well, that all of that was a test, and you passed. <laughs> because you had a completely reasonable series of takes on Garrett Bowles. I, I, like Uppercut said, we've seen people really overdo it on the Garrett Bowles hate. And I think we've seen people be too optimistic about Garrett Bowles. That's also true. We're definitely centrists. We're Bowles centrists. Yes. Uh, but yeah, Drew Locke is literally going to die on camera. That's right. <laughs> um, I can't believe that fell through, like, below the threshold when I posted that. I said literally going to die on camera. And I, well, I don't know. I refuse to use the slash s sarcasm symbol, so it's it's on me ultimately. I have a question. Okay. I have an answer. Yeah. I didn't forget. I, uh, <laughs> I chose not to say that. <laughs> um, I see you're real high on uh, Alexander. Yes. You're real happy about him. I'm really happy about him. He seems like a good dude. A good football player. Weird that he didn't start over Josie Jewell. It's real strange that Corey Nelson and Josie Jewell started over Alexander Johnson. Real strange. Uh, but uh, we've got Justin Strenod. He was he was uh, drafted. Mm-hmm. And he's got a physical skill set that would suggest maybe they're looking to move Johnson into more of a Todd Bowles thumper uh less crazy wild man over the middle and in the flats kind of role. Yeah. Um what do you what do you think about that? Yeah, I don't think it's a, the craziest thing in the world. I um I am really high on AJ Johnson. I did some film on him. I uh he's played great. Where did you do where did you do film on him? Is that available for us to find? Oh uh, that's a great question. Uh there, there's a little uh app called uh Twitter, Twitter.com uh, uh, you can go follow me over at at Lucas Shoe Two, the number two, not T W O. Shoe spelled. Yes, spelled. You beat me to it. Uh, shoe spelled S C H U H. It's German. But uh, yeah, follow me at Lucas Shoe Two. Um, all info available in the description. People, just look down a little. Yes, exactly. The description that's not existing yet while we're making the podcast. Uh, I'm ethereal. <laughs> but yeah, I I love Alexander Johnson a lot. He's a giant human being, and you cannot move him when he's coming downhill at you. And he showed some flashes of good coverage ability. I, there's one that I had in there where it's like a crossing route from uh, Eric Ebron, and he did a good job staying with them through the whole route. And I think he has a good ability. He has a lot of abilities about him. 
a lot of good builders around the NFL level. He's a run stopping ability. He has decent coverage ability. And I don't know what we're gonna they're gonna do with Justin Sternod. He he's patient. He is he's a mobile at least. He's just not explosive. It'll be interesting to see the do with him. I could I could see the role change for uh, AJ. I'm taking the Stranod um, draft more as an indication of the way they're going to be looking for future linebackers instead of necessarily that Stranod himself will be it. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, I I don't I like I I like Stranod. I was one guy I actually knew a little bit about before uh, the draft, and I was happy when everyone else was like who, and I got to be superior to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I do think it's more indicative of a skill set and a body type they're looking for necessarily than we think Stranod's the future. I gotcha. I gotcha. One thing that worries me about Stranod is his age, which is twenty four. But I know. But uh. Otherwise, I think he's a quality player. I think he's a decent pickup by the Broncos. Alexander's older than Todd. That's true. That's true. But he's at least really, really, really good. He is at least those things. <laughs> um, I mean, I've got some wrap-up questions, but if Aaron had some deep, uh, deep, big, de- big brain host questions before I start doing wrap-up questions. Nope, go for it. Uh. Do you do you think the Broncos did anything wrong in this perfect offseason? Ooh, interesting question. Um trying to think. Who did they resign? I liked the Justin uh Simmons resigning. I really liked him a lot. Um or maybe something where like from your perception, opportunity mm-hmm. costs could have been better spent used. I don't know how to say opportunity cost as resources used or resources saved. I'm trying to think of um man, I don't know. The Broncos had a really, really good offseason. That's why I'm so high on them this year. The thing that stands out to me per se, obviously they lost Chris Harris Jr., but I think that was at least a decent move because I lost some out to you. Yeah, give it to me. Uh Nick Vanette. What did they do with Nick Vanette? They signed him. Okay, maybe you got one there. Yeah, maybe that one. <laughs> maybe not the best signing there. I don't. I don't really gonna do with him much. What would you, you think of uh, Melvin Gordon? That's a lot of money oh, for a running back. There we go. That was. Uh, Woo! We got it. Oh, he gets to come back, Aaron. He gets to come back. I I did not like the signing at all. I'm heavily analytics focused. And what I mean heavily, I mean heavily all caps heavily and that signing it upset me to my core he's a wisconsin badger i'm a badgers fan but i'm still thinking why why would you do that you still have philip Lindsay. you don't need to pay philip Lindsay yet you you signed up on gordon for a bucket load of money a gigantic load of money for a running back too when that has not worked out at all in recent memory from todd Gurley to literally anybody you can name it just doesn't work out. So here's 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 a question that I think uh, in the very few arguments over Gordon that I've gotten in with very nice people. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that if you take out price or anything like that, Melvin Gordon improves the team? Taking out price? 
Yeah, if you don't take into account the cap hit or anything like that, do you think the presence of Melvin Gordon elevates the offense? I'm not exactly sure. And I know it's going to be a little bit of a hot take because I was that is, that's even hotter than my take. Cause I, I think he does make it better just because he is able to do all, uh, you know, three, I'll call it three, but the three facets of the, you know, the, the modern running back role of pass mm-hmm. protection, uh, running and catching out of the backfield. Right. Um, I do think he adds that, and that is better than what we've had. It's my contention is that, as you said, he's a running back and you paid him a lot of money and there were still other holes in the roster that I'm still not quite happy with, like mm-hmm. cornerback. I would just like yeah. a body, another body, another older body there. Uh, but that's that's where I fall with Melbourne. I, I do think he's he's praised more than he ought to be. Uh, yeah. But I don't I don't think he's bad. Uh, I do think he, as a talent, elevates the talent level. Mm-hmm. I'm just not – I don't like the – is this opportunity cost? I the resource allocation. There we yeah. call it. I, I agree with you at that point. Uh, he is a quality player, but one thing that scares me when you pay running backs like this is, is the offensive coordinator and the head coach should be going to feel obligated almost to pay, play this guy a lot and use him a lot when there isn't a lot of, you shouldn't be using him a ton. He has quality ability to him, but I don't want you force feeding him just to force feed him because you're paying him that much. I want you to so use your like. You're going to be acquainted to Pat Schmur this season. <laughs> oh yeah. He has a. Um, I don't know. I on it like the, to be fair. I don't know if this is due to lack of depth, but he does have a history of running one one back real hard. Yeah, I just. And I mean, he's he had what um what, what who's the Vikings uh, running back? Delvin Cook. Yeah, he had Dalvin Cook, and he had Saquon Barkley. So there are reasons to believe that maybe you ought to. But um, yeah. like the last three or four years, his history as running an offense shows that he loves to have one real hard bell cow running back. Yeah, I, it's certainly a possibility. I wouldn't doubt it. Do I think it's right? No, but I think it's a very high possibility. Um, what do you think the Broncos do this season? Like, what what's their record? On a high end, I think if Drew Locke improves, if everything goes right, if Jerry Judy, Jerry Judy, I think they could be like a wild card team. Uh, maybe like a nine seven to ten six kind of record, like ten six at a high end. If everything goes right, that is if AJ Bouye comes in, AJ Bouye, who think it can be, if everything goes right, obviously. Uh, low end, I'd probably say like seven to nine, kind of just not just a middling kind of team. I, I would take that uh, seven and nine with a team full of youngsters and a sophomore quarterback who's played five games. Right. I think it's a, I think they have a good roster for the most part outside of maybe an extra cornerback like you said. I agree with you on that point. But I really don't think this is a bad team really at all. I think it's at worst a middling team who has a bright future. Huh. That's cool. What do you think Locke's going to be like? Do you think he takes a big step? Do you would, would just predict the future, please? <laughs> I talked about this uh, on my podcast, the Airdal podcast. And well, what was that? Before. Repeat that one more time for me. Where did uh, you talk about that? Uh, Airdal podcast. Is I that am... available on Stitcher? It's a, Yeah, it's available on Stitcher. It's available on this small app called Spotify. This thing called Apple Podcast. I don't know what that is. It's just mumbo jumbo to me. But uh, 
I talked about Durlock, how we didn't get to see a lot of him because I think he was injured early in the season. Plus, you had Joe Flacco, you had Brandon Allen, so I didn't get to see a lot of him. But I think it's I think he's gonna take a small step forward, just getting re- it's getting fully engaged with his offense and actually being able to work with it more now. And plus, he's gonna have an offseason at least with uh, Pat Schmier, uh and the coordinator there. So at least he's gonna have. He just said Pat Schmier. <laughs> you didn't even try. No, I didn't try. But uh and I uh Mr. Schmier, uh I know he uses a lot of play action as well too. So that should help him at least. All right, I have to I have to butt in here with a fact check Uh-oh. against you uppercut. You said that Pat Shermer has a history of running with a a bell cow back. Uh, I am looking at 2017 when he was the offensive coordinator in Minnesota. Latavius Murray was the leading rusher for the Vikings that year. He had 840. The guy got hurt. 842 yards on 216 attempts. Behind him was Jarek McKinnon with 150 attempts. Dalvin Cook only played four games that year, had 74 attempts. Uh, But between Murray and McKinnon, there's not a bell cow there. This is definitely yeah, a guy who can. There's not a bell cow there. I, I I don't think Shermer is a guy who is going to be really hung up on one uh, one running back. Uh, I I think that it was a thing in New York because you had Saquon freaking Bartley, Barkley, who was what the second overall pick. Is that correct? He was top five pick. I'm and I'm checking right now. How is it that you looked up stats from four years ago, but you didn't know how to say Natane Moody? <laughs> because I can really easily read stats. Second pick. He was the second overall pick. That is correct. Can confirm. That's that's definitely a guy that you have to use. Uh, And please, somebody, without looking it up, name another running back on that Giants roster. Uh, Right now? Uh, During Pat Shermer's time with the Giants. Benny. I don't even know. Did you say Benny? Benny. You You just made up a guy. No, Benny was on their roster. Benny, 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 uh, Benny Fowler was a wide receiver. Yeah, not That's a running back. What I said. For a running back. Oh, was uh, what's his nuts from uh, Clemson? Was he on the roster? Uh, my what? point is, we had to think really hard about it. Wayne Gallman. Wayne Gallman was he on the roster? I don't know if I've ever heard that name before. Oh, well, maybe I made it up. Jesus. I I didn't expect you to have all of the roster in your head, Aaron. What? I didn't say I had the whole roster in my head. Yeah, but you know that that guy's not on the New York Giants. No, I've never heard that name before. Somebody fact check that. I don't know if he exists. Fact check Wayne Gallman. Anyway, my point is, uh, I'm not too concerned about uh, Gordon you know, being shoehorned in as some kind of bell cow, I think there should be mm-hmm. pretty good balance between Gordon and Lindsay. 
Anyway, that was supposed to be a small uh, fact I, check. I, 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 no, 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 no. I want to talk about it a little bit. I think you're from Colorado, and that's what's happening. <laughs> I think I'm one of the very few people who is not as in love with Philip Lindsay as other Coloradans are. You still can't get it all out. That's how strong Colorado is. I think they paid a lot of money for Melvin Gordon, and I expect to see that kind of money being reciprocated in, in snaps. Oh, I think he's going to be the number one back. I just don't think that they're going to end up in a situation where they refuse to play anybody else. Or Aaron, they... can, we, can we sidebar for just a second, Aaron? I, I guess, yeah, sure. Yeah, right. Aaron, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I'm just contradicting me on the f- fucking yeah. my show. On oh, it's yours now. Oh, <laughs> power struggle. It's not a power struggle. It's Aaron getting uppity. It's gonna make the beat up. All right, sidebar over. How do we end this? Because now I'm mad. We do it with a dance party, or just with you stomping off while I thank Lucas for his time. Am I gonna be like the Yoko Ono of this podcast? Not at all. No, I am definitely the Yoko Ono of this podcast. <laughs> oh, dance party. Where can we find you? Where can we find you, Lucas Shu? Uh, you can find me on twitter.com at LucasShu number two. You can find me at the Aired Up Podcast on this little thing called uh, Apple Podcast, uh, Stitcher, and uh, Spotify. Um,. What else can you find me at? Fansided. Let's go search my name in Fansided. Type in Fansided Lucas Shoe. I'll pop up. You see my pretty face on there. Uh, sitting at the ESPN desk. Uh, that's it. It's the main place you can find me at. Any other supporting words, football related or not? Anything you want to get out into the world? Uh, just want to thank you guys for having me on the podcast. I had a great time here. Uh, I love the football talk here. Yeah, you're welcome back anytime. You can you Thank can you. always hit me up because we don't have a boss except I'm Aaron's boss. Aaron, <laughs> do you have anything you'd like to say to the people before I shut this whole thing down? Go fuck mute. Uh <laughs> Bye bye everybody.